Once again, to Cinemaholics, uh, we got another bonus episode for you. Uh, we were planning to do this on the main app, but unfortunately, for reasons I'll discuss later, John Negroni was not available to see this film. But thankfully, I did see the film. I'm your usual co-host, Will Ashton, and thankfully, even I'm even more thankfully, <laughs> uh, I have a very special guest on the show. Uh, you probably know him best from our. Uh, let's see our pet cemetery episode and then most recently our malignant episode he's from seattle washington and he is the host of the good the bad and the what podcast it's our friend ryan oliver welcome back ryan how you doing i'm doing well will ashton how are you doing i'm just saying our uh, full names for this one we're just being very very formal with this episode for some oh, reason fair enough <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i like it. It, it it makes me uh makes me feel like we're having a very like civil like a respectful conversation i feel like you know but you're good because i very much like your stuff i'm very excited to have you back on the show i feel like it's been too long but you were on fittingly as i mentioned our malignant episode which is a a pretty fitting uh comparison point for this film as many many reviews have already pointed out yeah i i think that's that seems to be my bread and butter is is september released uh horror movies that have twists and turns that uh the marketing hid but you should go in cold anyway to them so there's there's definitely a lot of a lot of overlap between this movie and and malignant so i'm i'm happy to to be back on mic and i'm honored to be here yeah i i was gonna ask you about that since you brought it up yeah what was your kind of awareness of the film going into it because i i was pretty in the dark I think for the better about this film, but I was curious, did you have any like expectations? Were you like, was this on your radar? What was your relationship going into the film? Um, it wasn't particularly, um, I, I guess I should rewind there. I knew about it and, uh, mainly because of a, a friend in, in distro who I'm, you know, I'm not, no, not, I don't know what they can disclose and what not to. So I'll just, I'll keep them anonymous for now, but they told me, you should definitely keep barbarian on your radar when it, when it comes out. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Um, I did see one trailer for the movie, um, which I guess will preface for people. Uh, the trailer really only discloses anything in like the first act of the movie. Um, it really doesn't show a whole lot. Um, but I think when I saw Bodies, 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 I saw this trailer. Um, and then I knew that it was directed by Zach Krager, who most famously is on the sketch comedy show The Whitest Kids You Know. Um, and he had directed one other feature before, 2009's Miss March. Uh, which I have not seen, admittedly, um, but I, I have heard it's pretty infamously um, bad. Mm. And so so hearing these rumblings about Barbarian and hearing how good it was and hearing how you should go in as cold as possible, I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to go see it. And I'm going to try and go see it as soon as it comes out because I'm sure it's going to get spoiled left and right. So I, I, I made it, I made it uh, a, a clear effort to go see it um, on the, on opening day. Nice. Yeah, I didn't have any like uh, word of mouth going into this like you did, but it was one that admittedly I did kind of keep my radar as well, only because Searchlight, as we know, has been pretty much putting all their new releases on to Hulu, or at least Disney is kind of putting all their Searchlight movies onto Hulu. This is even going to like Prey, which should be, you know, in theaters, it's a blockbuster. It's getting great reviews. I still need to see it. But, you know, like Fresh also went to Hulu, No Exit went to Hulu. A lot of these films 
The Princess and, was another oh, one. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but especially a lot of their horror films have been going to streaming exclusively. But this one got a theatrical exclusive. And I was very curious about that. I was like, okay, something's up with this. Like, it could just be a contract thing. But it, it gave me some hope that, like, clearly there is some hope that this was going to get an audience that people involved with the production were excited about it and like you said yeah it's zach Kreger. he's right in directing it some people call it his debut but yeah i guess it's technically his solo debut as you were mentioning he had previously co-wrote co-starred and co-directed miss march with the uh the late trevor moore who unfortunately passed away last year uh one half his yeah. team from wise kids you know but yeah i mean that was where i kind of got a little nervous because you know i am a fan of uh, several Weiss kids, you know, sketch. I, I wasn't like as in tune with it. It's like key and peel. It wasn't quite as big for me. as like when Jordan Peele directed get out. It was like, yeah, like I like Zach Kreger. I thought that movie was a disappointment, you know, and, but it is kind of a weird sort of thing, like kind of similar to Jordan Peele. He had like Keanu, which he didn't direct, but that was another kind of film where it's like, he's starring in it. It wasn't, it wasn't a box office hit. It wasn't quite as critically savaged as uh miss March, but it was another one where it's like, well, I don't know, maybe movies aren't quite the direction. And then they come out, and prove themselves as a horror director, which is this trend that I'm really loving now with the two of them. And obviously, Jordan Peele is a big inspiration for this film. Uh, but is there any other sketch comedians that you would like to tip their hat and maybe like propose they should get into horror directing? I have a couple names, but I want to hear from you first. Well, I, I feel like I got to roll out the red carpet for you because I, I saw your letterbox review and it made me like snort laugh out loud <laughs> yes, that, that uh, you uh, that you're looking forward to what the sick and twisted mind of Frank Caliendo yes. comes up with. Uh, so I thought that was really funny. Uh, as far as me personally, I I don't know. Like I don't really have any off the top of my head. Um, mainly because I, I you know I didn't. When Jordan Peele first came out with Get Out, I was like, oh, well, that's just like an anomaly. And I remember even like, you know, um, I think there was like an interview like with him and with like uh, Jason Bloom at the time. And I remember because Bloomhouse famously doesn't really bankroll first time directors or at least at the time they didn't. Maybe that's changed. But I remember him saying something to the effect of like, oh, well, he, you know, he had so much experience with Key and Peele that, you know, we gave him that opportunity. And so I was just like, oh, that's sort of like a, a just a. A freak like thing that happened but now seeing the exact Krager making barbarian and and you know he him coming from a sketch background i was like oh okay uh maybe this is a thing so uh that could happen but yeah i don't have any off the top of my head i don't know if uh has dave foley done anything uh uh, uh from from uh kids in the hall like certainly I, not. I feel like maybe he's directed but yeah. I, I could be wrong yeah, I was gonna say. I think I think he has maybe directed, but certainly not in horror genres, or so far as I can recall. Uh, you know, maybe we'll put a little disclaimer if uh, that's a uh, me misspeaking. But I was gonna say the name that floats into my mind at the moment is Bill Hader, just primarily based on the success oh, yeah. of Barry, and particularly coming mm-hmm. off this last season, which kind of almost dived into some horror i don't want to spoil anything if you haven't watched uh, or caught up with barry yet but i feel like that's oh the, i have okay i was gonna say because there's some stuff in the, like especially towards the end of season three where i feel like if if this guy directs a film especially a horror film he's really gonna make something i think pretty haunting and compelling but yeah i mean i certainly uh similar to you was kind of of the opinion that like jordan peele is an anomaly and, and to be fair this movie isn't quite get out like i don't want to oversell it no from the get-go like it, it's not quite as uh you know political it's not quite as you know uh 
precedent, I think. It, it's it's doing something that is, I think, to my surprise, a little bit more kind of exploitation heavy. It's something that yes. I'm really, really surprised that Disney distributed this film <laughs> uh, without giving too much too. away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, I didn't mean to step over. No, no, no. I, I was just going to say, but uh, I do think there's a lot going on under the surface here. Like I'm, I'm trying to not oversell it or undersell it. Like I think there's a lot of really compelling commentary here, especially related to its setting in Detroit, even though it was filmed in primarily in Bulgaria. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's one of those films where a lot of what surprises me is how it subverts expectations, but also how it is kind of making itself comparable to Jordan Peele and not just in terms of being from another sketch comedian, but using the way that we approach comedy horror kind of in conjunction with one another, kind of playing with expectations, but also going against expectations and kind of playing with story structure and formula, but also giving us exactly what we want as far as like a horror movie crowd pleasing experience. I, I just think his ability to kind of do that from what you know only his second film really is just is incredibly impressive and that and that's where i think the peel comparisons are really going to be warranted for sure because i think you know and you kind of mentioned you know it's maybe not as like uh sort of politically and socially uh astute or maybe as direct as get out but it's certainly there's a lot there there's a lot bubbling underneath the surface and i think it's funny as well because the one movie i thought of a lot actually while watching this movie in addition to some of the other like recently set detroit movies uh horror movies like it follows and don't breathe um i thought about a lot about us uh, jordan peele's second movie like the the way that that movie um is really evocative in its imagery but i feel like the us is a movie I like, but the more it sort of peels back its layers and reveals its hand, the less effective I felt like it became by the third act of the movie versus Barbarian. I feel like this movie is like a Russian nesting doll almost of the way it's structured, but the more it peels back its layers, the more interesting the movie got. And it's certainly exploit, you know, it's definitely exploitation. It's definitely nasty. And it definitely sort of um, subverts that notion of like, um, and, and I, no filmmaker has coined this phrase. It was definitely a PR term. I'm, and I'm sure, I know you've talked about it on the show before. And I think I've talked about it when I've been on the show that the elevated horror genre, you know, so to speak that like classier, uh, the, them trying to make it classy for people who don't like horror, but like, it's all kind of horror. So it doesn't really matter. And I feel like this sort of subverts that notion of like this movie is about a lot and it's about a lot of contemporary stuff and it's certainly there, but I feel like this movie, delivers requisite nasty genre thrills like and remembers to work as like a horror movie first and then everything else comes sort of secondary um but it it really works and i'm i'm with you i don't want to oversell it for people because i think that i think it's it is a genuine surprise of a movie and i think that you should go in cold, like not only with like what happens in the movie but you should go in as cold as possible with like what people are saying about the movie like like go go check it out is what what i would say for sure yeah because i mean there's a part of me that is a little concerned like i think the malignant comparisons are warranted but i don't think it's quite as like overtly crazy as that film like there's definitely no. uh, insane things that happen in this film but i feel like it's not quite that experience like I, i'm already starting to see some reactions from people being like yeah i mean that's like wow and out there and i like the film but it's not like 
this. And I'm like, yeah, like that's that's fair because I think, you know, like that early opening weekend reaction can very easily kind of tip its hat into like this is like another like absurd gonzo movie. And, you know, while it is definitely kooky and does some weird things, I don't think it's quite going for that direction. But, you know, it's like another one of those things where I, I, I'm excited to talk about it a little bit more and dive into it deeper because the stuff that I really love about the film is both like what it does against my expectations, but also the stuff that plays into my expectations. But when I least expect it, I guess, if that makes sense. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like we at least you I know seem like you're a pretty big fan. I'm already kind of suggesting as much as well. But before we really get into our actual kind of more in-depth thoughts, I will give a brief synopsis. I'll try to be, you know, as coy with the details as possible. But basically... The, the general premise of the film, as we see from the first like 20 minutes or so, as you mentioned in the trailer, is that we're, there's this young woman who's coming to Detroit for a job interview. Her name is Tess Marshall. She's played by Georgina Campbell. And she's staying at this Airbnb. And a lot of things are going wrong. It's raining. Uh, you know, the key isn't quite working. Um, you know, she's got the wrong code. She's trying to call the people. They're not responding. And she finds herself interacting with this kind of bizarre uh, younger man named Keith, who's played by Bill Skarsgård, who's also a producer on the film. Uh, they have a sort of like what would otherwise be a kind of meet cute situation, like in a, in a more like kind of lighthearted version of this film. <laughs> they have like kind of a situation where they're both uh, staying at this Airbnb when they should be staying there separately or at different times. But they both were able to book the uh, Airbnb be at the same time they try to find a hotel there's some sort of convention or something happening uh per his estimation so she can't find a hotel but you know they start to get along with each other but there is like this air of like huh is he really who he says he is is there some sort of like warranted mistrust going on and you know as uh the day goes along or the, the following day goes along um tess finds herself in the basement kind of exploring and she finds this like hidden crevice in the house and there's like some you know kind of weird stuff going on there she finds something pretty horrifying and uh you know she wants to kind of run away but there are a lot of complicating factors and a lot of things sort of happen from there that uh cause a real whirlwind of a time in detroit for this poor uh tess marshall and so that's like a very very broad general uh breakdown of the plot obviously there's a lot of things that are going on it's better just not know that stuff going into the film but yeah so we already kind of generally talked about the film but i want to hear from you a little bit more in depth brian what is about this film that i think from what i'm gathering from you makes this one of the better horror films or at least one of the better studio horror films that you've seen so far this year I think what makes it one of the better studio horror films this year is that it is genuinely, I think it's genuinely creepy. Um, It is about a lot. It, the way the movie, and and I already sort of mentioned this earlier in the episode where like the way it's structured and it continuously surprises you with the, with the way it's structured. And, you know, to go back maybe a little bit to talking about like comedians getting into horror. I mean, construction, constructing a joke to getting to a punchline is not really dissimilar to constructing a scare and constructing a scene to build upon it, to get to the inevitable like release of the scene. And so, um, I, I think the movie is genuinely surprising. I think the performances are terrific, which we didn't even really like talk about. I think that um, we'll probably have to get you know more into spoilers here, but I think the way the movie subverts um, like the 
how we perceive some of these actors from some of the other movies they've been in, I feel like plays into a lot of the factors. I think Bill Skarsgård being one of them and, and, uh, uh, you know, another actor who comes in the movie later, um, which we'll get into. Uh, I think they, they do a really good job of sort of subverting the expectations of what those performers and what you've seen. Um, and it's just, it's just like old school, gnarly genre filmmaking too. Like I, 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 yeah, I'm trying to think like, cause I, I don't, I have a hard time. Like I'm kind of even blanking of like some of the other studio or like mini major horror movies that even came out this year. They have just not like stuck in my brain like very much. I mean, I guess Alex Garland's men would be one of them. Which oh, yeah. is, like This is like the, this is like the polar opposite for me. Cause sure. men yeah. did not work for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though I usually love Alex Garland's work. Cause that one's so like thuddingly like, ham-fisted in the one thing that it's about versus barbarian is about a lot but it's also a very streamlined pretty like twisty thrill ride and it and it functions on a it functions on a primal level and then it works on a like different level as well um so yeah i but i'd be interested to hear some of your more in-depth uh non-spoilerly spoilery thoughts i feel like i've gone on too long no 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 not at all uh yeah i mean i think we're pretty much on the same page because similar to you i feel like i've been pretty underwhelmed by a lot of major horror movies this year i mean i feel like bias bias bodies as you mentioned was one that also left me a little underwhelmed john and i've kind of disputed this but i feel like that was another film as you mentioned similar to men which i feel like i, I already tweeted this but this is like the chad to uh men's the virgin uh you know i, I feel like this the movie, virgin men yeah the exactly barbarian. yeah yeah i just i feel like because like they're both kind of they're both tackling like gender expectations and like the the role that women can play in horror films and like this you know the sort of patriarchal society and the, the the horrors they're in obviously it's like stuff that we've seen a lot before and i think this movie is a lot more self-aware about that in a way that men feels weirdly sort of like unself-aware given how talented and smart i find alex garland to be and like you said like i think other his other stuff that he's done both as a writer and director i think he's been pretty tremendous through and through and i just don't i don't really know what happened with that one it just felt like a parody of a kind of a24 film and likewise i I found myself in a similar position with bodies 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 while that movie is trying to go for satire i felt like a lot of the comedy was just kind of obvious it was just a lot of like you know it it felt very broad it felt very weirdly kind of toothless it didn't feel like it took any risk but it felt like it was taking a lot of risk um, yeah, and I, just, I yeah, saw a tweet yeah. about bodies, bodies, bodies recently that really, I feel like surmised my thoughts of the movie where it's like, they thought they could do a feature length version of the beach house episode from the HBO show girls, yes. but without the preceding two and a half seasons to lead up to that right. moment. I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty valid. Cause I, I, sorry to interrupt you, but no, yeah, no, no, I'm, I... I'm on a similar, similar wavelength with bodies, 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 where I found that to be pretty, pretty mm-hmm. under underwhelming uh, as well. I would 100% agree with that estimation because that was the exact thought that went through my head because I was like, this reminds me a lot of the Beach House episode of Girls, but just not nearly as smart or not nearly as funny or not even nearly as cutting as that episode is. Like, that's just so much better. And, and, and that doesn't even have any blood or gore or anything in it. <laughs> but I feel like it's way no. more ruthless uh, all the same. But yeah, I mean, even like Black Phone, which is a film that I think is maybe a little bit better than those two, but I also found myself a little underwhelmed by that film. I think more so because that film i think did have some interesting ideas i just don't think it quite came together in this in 
a truly compelling way for me outside of Ethan Hawke's performance, which I, I wish there was a little bit more of in that film. But yeah, just like yeah, I was seeing all these. Same. Yeah, there's a lot of horror movies I've been seeing this year where I'm just like, man, like, like I obviously love horror, but I'm just like not really like getting my fix. And I'm like, is this more of a me thing? Because I'm seeing a lot of these like great reviews for those films. Not so much with men, but at least with Bodies, Bodies, Bodies and, and The Black Phone. I'm like, maybe it's just a me thing. Maybe I'm just not really connecting with this genre anymore. Maybe I'm expecting too much. And then this film comes along and it felt like like a breath of fresh air. I was like, okay. There, there is still good in this genre. I still can connect with it. It's just that these other films just weren't really doing it, at least for me. Uh, and I felt like, yeah, yeah agreed. It, yeah, and it is. I think because like Zachary Kreger seems like a lot more aware of like the expectations of the genre. He is willing to kind of play and twist with them, but he is like he's not like trying to like act above it. Like he's not trying to act like oh, it needs to be something more highbrow. It needs to be something a little bit more like intellectually probing or we need to kind of like be like wink wink nudge nudge about everything i really like this movie has like kind of like a west craven approach to the things where it is knowledgeable it's smart it's competent about these things but it is playing into them it's not like trying to act like it's above them or beneath them it's just like kind of like well like you know i, I can see that zachary Krager has watched a lot of horror movies and he's like seen a lot of these tropes before and it's just like uh like like you can tell when he's writing it's like yeah like i know where it's gonna go like that's kind of boring me as i'm writing what if i just did this and it's like oh shit and it's like okay like well this happens so like what do we do with this and it's like a lot more compelling to me to see that and it feels like like you said like when you see comedians kind of go into the horror genre it seems like they're they're obviously very pop culture savvy they they know a lot about these tropes and stuff and similar to their approach to comedy where it's like kind of like poking fun and subverting expectations they're they're kind of playing with timing and approach and character but you know not acting like it's like something that's above them or like trying to be snotty about and i think that's really commendable for especially for a horror debut but for a film of this scope and scale to like kind of find that balance and you know i I see a lot of people uh criticize like horror comedies i think it's because they tend to kind of like flip-flop in tone throughout like they'll be like here's a serious scene and like here's a funny one and like it kind of undercuts some tension i feel like what i find really commendable is what you're mentioning where it's like this movie can be really funny but doesn't um undersell the the horror of it like it can be creepy and filled with tension but there will just be moments throughout there are kind of funny and are unexpected in a humorous way but i'm still kind of creeped out and weirded out at the same time and i think that's what i really love about horror uh comedies in that respect like they can kind of provoke both reactions and realize that they're in conjunction with one another not just like here's the horror scene here's the funny scene they can kind of be marinate together and that's something that's obviously not easy to do and the fact that Craiger can pull it off here is again very commendable i think to his talents as a as a developing genre filmmaker for sure i think that is the fallacy of a lot of horror comedies like even if they are like funny as they tend to put the greater emphasis on the comedy um and so therefore it like undermines the scares versus this is you know i mean this would be very hyperbolic, but like, you know, I think my favorite horror comedy of all time would be like Evil Dead 2, where it's like it is the comedy and the horror are like perfectly in lockstep with one another and they're do- giving an equal measure. And I mean, this movie's not that, but it's trying to do that and it's closer to that than a lot of them land. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the West 
Craven comparison because that's that's definitely a, the people under the stairs was a movie I thought of a lot while watching this movie because um, that movie also yeah, that was, is very yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's very like you know uh, I mean and that movie's very blunt in its sort of like uh, societal and political uh, uh, aspirations and and this movie's not quite as blunt as that but like but they're certainly there and so I, I thought of that movie a lot and then um, I guess lastly to talk about horror movies of the year because. I wouldn't even say these are horror movies, but the two horror adjacent ones, or at least people who are known for horror movies we got this year, uh, were not like straightforward horror movies like the Northman, uh, from Robert Eggers or Nope even from Jordan Peele, which is maybe some of the most horrific imagery I've seen in a movie this year, but would I call it a straightforward horror movie? Probably not. Uh, it's more of a a sort of sci-fi summer blockbuster, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sort of in the same boat as you, where like a lot of the movies, you mentioned The Black Phone, you mentioned Bodies, 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 that I was sort of like, eh, like just eh, like kind of underwhelmed with, with some of these movies. Um, you know, maybe Gaspar Noe's Lux Eterna, if you want to call that a horror movie, was not one I really liked <laughs> as well. But uh, but yeah, this was, once I left this movie, I was like, yes, this is, feels right. It's we're dipping into fall. Like this feels like the horror movie that I've been waiting for all year. Um and it's um it delivers yeah absolutely and i will echo your sentiments about the northman and nope still two of my favorite movies of the year but i guess the reason i didn't bring them up before is because i feel like they're not solely horror certainly like the northman is having kind of a more like you know nordic epic and then nope is dipping its toes in the western sci-fi and all that so i kind of i let it you know stick in multiple genres and obviously this is playing with genres too but i i see it through and through as a horror film. And I feel like the other movies I've seen that are most uh, aligned with horror have been kind of underwhelming with me. And so seeing a film like this for sure has been just such a relief and makes me really, it it just makes me feel inspired. Like, okay, like we can do stuff on a scale like this that is weird, but also like smart about it. And, you know, cunning and in how it plays with these expectations but not just like being too cutesy about it not trying to do like a max landis thing in a way that i bring up his name for a reason and we'll discuss why in spoilers but um yeah yeah so um i feel like that's a pretty good segue i kind of go into spoilers but if you have any more uh, non-spoilery thoughts general thoughts about the film i don't want to cut you off at this time no, no, really all I would say is if you made it this far in the episode and you have not seen the movie, please shut this episode off and go watch it and then come back and listen to it because right. it is, uh, you should, yeah, again, go in cold, don't know much right. about this movie going into it. <laughs> yeah, definitely if you can help it, uh, go in cold. And I mean, obviously, it's still playing in theaters by the time you're listening to this, please see in theaters. I mean, I don't know how it's doing box office wise, if you've been keeping track with the the early box it's office estimation. Top to the box office this last weekend with ten million. Um, okay. By just sheer virtue of it probably being the only wide release <laughs> that came out. Right. Um, there's a couple coming out. You know, when you're listening to this episode, like The Woman King and Pearl, and see how they run. Um, but hopefully, and and I mean, I know Pearl is going to give it some direct competition because that's also a straightforward horror movie. Which speaking yeah. of which, X, I loved X. I forgot that X came out this year. Oh yeah. So there's there's yeah. another great horror movie from this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so sorry, I didn't mean to step. No, no. I know we're trying to move away from non-spoilers, but yeah, I like it. Like unlocked in my brain. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> X came out this year. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Let's do a kind of. I don't know. I I don't remember exactly how we dive into spoilers on Cinemaholics, but I'll just say, be warned now. Spoilers here they come. <laughs> now, obviously, now we're here in the spoiler talk. So, 
Where do you want to really start with this horror conversation? Because there's a lot of avenues we can really go down, but I guess we just kind of, you want to start with the Justin Long aspect of it? Like his whole AJ character? I think we probably should because I, I, I do want to, it's tough though. Cause it's like, I, I do almost want to start from the beginning, not from like the beat by beat, but from how the movie sort of automatically subverts your expectations going oh, yeah. in such yeah. as like when, you know, to elaborate more on our non-spoiler thoughts of like, here's the situation. They're at the same Airbnb and they're consistently framing the movie there's consistently framing Bill Skarsgård's character to be like off and creepy. And like, does like, I think you already put, does it seem, is this guy really like off or does he seem like a nice guy? And yeah. I feel like they're playing into that notion of like, okay, cause you've seen him play Pennywise and you've mm-hmm. seen him play. Um, he was in that movie villains. So it's like, you, you've seen him as this type of character before. And, um, and I love that the movie sort of breaks down that like notion of like, I I feel like one of the big themes of this movie that, that really works for me is sort of like trying to break down um, like biases, like the biases that we have for like the people in our lives. Like they're clearly like, there's a bias against Bill Skarsgård's character because it comes across creepy. There's a bias against a, a homeless person who Tess thinks is trying to attack her, um, you know, after like the first act of the movie, but then it really comes back into play to being like a hero of so- sorts in, in, in this movie. Um, you know, uh, Justin Long's character, and I don't want to get too far in the weeds, uh, it, you know, empathizes, like it enforces his sort of smarmy ugly worldview that he like sees what ostensibly is our killer and uh and like empathizes with him almost immediately with no context like i i I really like that like as part of this movie but i think like you know if 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 you have no other elaboration on that, like you said, maybe we should get into Justin Long's character because I feel like that's really where the movie starts its first rumble, I would say. Yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, I don't want to uh, cut you off if you have anything because I I think all you say is very true and I think key to why this movie is such a kind of refreshing change of things. But yeah, I I, I guess I brought up Justin Long first just because for me, like that was one of those things where I had no idea he was in this film, like going into it. And we have like this moment, obviously, like where you, you get the traditional setup and then you get that moment where like you, you expect some sort of like someone in the shadows coming out. Obviously, like earlier in the movie, we saw a door close. We know that they're not alone in this house or someone else there. But then we get, yeah, you, what we kind of traditionally expect, like this sort of like hills of eyes, sort of weird uh, mutation sort of thing. But we expect like that was maybe something that uh, Bill Sarsgaard's character is like used, like her, lured her into this thing to kind of like kidnap her and trap her. But then, no, his head just gets smashed right into the wall. Very gory, violent death. And, you know, we have this kind of like big cliffhanger moment that happens. And then suddenly... We're in sunny Malibu and we're with Justin Long, who's doing like, you know, karaoke session in his car. And then we're getting this kind of like in real time Me Too situation that's going on with him. And like you said, yeah, it's just like that was one of those big like, like, what's going on? Like what? Like in a delightful sort of way, like it's like, what's going on? Like, where are we taking this? And then we obviously learn that like, yeah, like so Craig is kind of taking this format of like. Here's like a woman who's kind of like expecting the worst to sort of happen, but like she she's obviously knowledgeable about everything, but she has like an innate sort of like goodness in her, which I think is very kind of compelling for a horror movie. It's like it's not that she's like dumb, like she's not 
like unaware of what can happen. She's very clearly knowledgeable. Like there's like kind of similar like nope situation where like she sees something very bad and she like is like, nope, I'm not going to do that. Or like she's going to like <laughs> think twice before she does something. But she does want to do the right thing and she doesn't want like other people to get hurt or anything like that. And I think that's a very compelling angle for a horror protagonist. And then we have a character like Justin Long who, you know, clearly is not a great guy, but we can kind of early on you kind of like well maybe like we don't know the whole story with him like we're seeing it from his perspective maybe something's going on but we clearly as the movie goes along it's like yeah no he, clearly he's just a huge douchebag clearly he's just a dumb <laughs> idiot yeah. like clearly he's a terrible person but yeah like there is this weird kind of parallel that happens later on where we see this guy like a true like outright monster guy from um detroit who is you know stalking and kidnapping and raping women and yeah they have that moment later on where they're kind of like uh, you know like they're they're seeing each other they're mirrors of themselves but one's like in denial about it and one is just like you know just doesn't really care like he's just like completely without any sort of innate empathy or uh um sympathy for another person and yeah like he sees a video and that's you know like that kind of revelation moment where justin long's character aj is kind of like looking in at himself but he doesn't realize that <laughs> uh yeah it's just like such a like compelling thing and then obviously that's not getting to like kind of like the social political commentary but just yeah i mean what starts off is just like you said like this sort of russian nesting doll thing where it starts off as similarly kind of like what you expect like this sort of men adjacent horror movie becomes like this kind of like seedy look at like the underbelly of men and just like the way people look at other people and what we expect from other people and it just yeah it just becomes like you know really thoughtful and really intriguing without losing the entertainment factor in the process and yeah just i really like that about this film yeah i did i did as well and i think that it's it it's a total when we're introduced like that sunny malibu scene like it's a complete and like utter gear shift because it's like it's like one of the most overtly comedic scenes of the movie and i guess one thing we didn't even mention as well the aspect ratio changes through the movie as well like it starts in scope and then it when we get to the justin long sequence it it, it goes more to to the flat look um which is funny because i mean most comedies are projected in that format so that's actually like really interesting and then it goes into a further and i forget which exact aspect ratio is but like when we go back into like the 1980s with the like to learn more about the serial killer serial rapist character it's like uh you know, even more four by three um, aspect ratio. So I love that change, and I I I I love that the the uh, uh, that there's like I I love that the movie at least tries to give you sort of like glimmers into sort of like empathizing with like a character like Justin Long's because it's like he's such a rampant douchebag as you said, but like the movie every once in a while it feels like it's going to try and give you like a, a either a redemption for him or like the characters realizing like uh like i i like he has that realization where he even says directly like i'm a am i a bad person or did i just do a bad thing or can i like save that thing and you're like oh no is the movie going to like try and redeem him and then it like ends like really really horribly for him and so i found all that fascinating um and just the like I, I sunk in my seat from cringe of like, um, because uh, he's getting, you know, he's me too. So like he's, he can't get work. Nobody wants to work with him. He's his uh, agent is dropping him. His finance uh, financier is, is dropping him. And so he's 
going back to Detroit to sell his properties, we find out he is the owner of this Airbnb. Um, he just, uh, you know, does the property management and he, he, he discovers the basement. So like it's a complete 180 from like test discovering it because it's all eerie and it's like creepy and it's terrifying. He discovers it and he immediately calls the property manager and is like, uh, he's like, I, can this base can a basement add square footage to to the housing plan and uh they're like uh no uh not necessarily but you can add it in a listing and he's just like fuck yeah and like taking the tape measure all through the basement and i was just like i was laughing but i was just also like slinking in my seat of like yeah. oh my god this is so embarrassing for right. this this guy <laughs> yeah i mean like obviously like yeah Tess sees it as, as like this horrible like you know descent in the hell sort of situation he just sees it as like his like kind of personal heaven in a weird way like he can get all this extra money you know he's just kind of like oblivious to any sort of like crud and decrepitness of it outside of the bed of course but he doesn't yeah. seem to mind like the bucket or the camera or anything he just kind of lets it all lay by and yeah no warning signs are going off in his head he's just like you know kind of living his own little uh financial fantasy or whatever is going on right now but uh yeah i mean i was very curious uh to hear from you as far as like so the movie doesn't really address it outright but there is like some kind of blunt criticism about like some political things like reaganomics and like like reagan's america like the idea that like uh this decay and moral collapse is kind of happening under like the after the boon of the eighties and like the idea that like, you know, there's a sort of financial ruin that like is kind of causing like these spawns and like this like horrible, decrepit, uh, um, non-genderified houses and all this stuff. And obviously we have like the police are coming and just like not doing anything at all. Uh, and I was very curious, like when I watched the movie, I felt like this was all kind of like pointed and like, you know, sneering, but I was listening to an interview from Zach Kreger, uh, earlier today. And he was saying that like, this stuff wasn't really like, like he like was aware of it, but wasn't something he was like trying to like make a direct sort of pointed commentary. And I feel like that's so sort of just stark when I see a lot of movies now where it's like, they almost kind of pat themselves on the back for including these sort of things. And I felt like with this movie, it's just kind of organic to like the story that he was telling. Like he's like tackling all these things. He's getting ambitious with it and they just kind of add to it. I feel like it's more thematically compelling to me because he's willing to just kind of let these things be in the film without like trying to make them like something a lot thornier and a lot more like poking and sneering. Like it's just more like he just wants to like, add to like the themes that he's already tackling here and like obviously there's a lot of thorny stuff that's in there already but it's just like well it's because of all these different things that are going on that i don't know i just felt like to me that that approach was more refreshing for a film like this it felt more true to like an exploitation film like where it is not afraid to kind of like do these sort of gross and weird things in the service of having some political commentary but not letting the commentary override the entertainment value of the film and i think that's what really impresses me about the film but i wanted to hear a little bit more about you do you think i'm kind of like underselling some of his intent as far as like the the politics of it or do you think that that's kind of what he's going for as far as the approach well, I think that, you know, I, and maybe I mentioned this at the top in the non-spoiler section, but we can, fortunately, we can elaborate on more of it here, is that I think that, I don't think you're underselling it. I think it's definitely there, but I think 
I appreciate his approach as opposed to a lot of filmmakers because I feel like, you know, I mean, to go back to like the men example, right? Where like that, that movie's hundred percent trying to put its sort of message and its theme first and forgets to actually be a convincing or compelling like narrative. Um, cause it's really not that compelling of a movie as a narrative where versus, um, what, what Zachary Hager is doing with barbarian is like, he he's, he's trying to tell a, twisty nasty horror movie story and he's putting the story first and because we are sitting with these characters and they're all well drawn out they're all well fleshed out that um you know we're we're invested in the story first and i think that um you know and and maybe it's hard to say whether you know these things like kind of just happen by accident and i certainly think there's certain things in the story that um you know, are purposeful in that sort of like commentary, you know, such as like the, uh, you know, the crumbling, like the Reaganomics trickle down, like, like you said, as we, as we get to that flashback of the, you know, in the eighties where like the neighbor of the serial killer is like, I'm, I'm moving. I got, you know, we don't think we're going to be able to do it by this time next year, you know, meaning that they think the, the housing bubble is going to collapse. And so they're like, okay, well, we're going to get out. And, you know, juxtapose when we see that shot, it's like everything's all sort of like almost leave it to Beaver-esque versus like now where it's like that one house is still nice and everything else is like completely like in shambles. Um, and so I like and like you said, the the stuff with like like the police, that's like that was an interesting like factor of the movie of like, you know. Tess calls the police when she thinks that homeless person is uh, attacking her and then calls the police like when she, you know, she's lost her phone. She's just been happy to get out of the house alive and they mistake her. They think she's a crackhead. They think she's like, you know, a crazy person and they don't do anything. You know, it was just like, you know, a complete, you know, you know, a cab cops are useless uh, sort of element. And I think that um, I definitely think that he he didn't achieve those by accident, but I don't think that was his primary focus. And but because it wasn't his primary focus, it makes the movie much better. To be honest, I think that those elements land because we are so invested on the journey of these characters, <laughs> and they are astute observations in the in a world that we know and we understand. Um, but it's not hammering your head over about it. I think if you weren't looking for those elements, or if you just aren't that's not how you watch movies. This movie would still work as a squeamish, like what the hell sort of descent into hell for people. Um, but it works as that. And then there's all these other elements here that make the movie, I think much richer. And like you said, reminiscent of an exploitation movie with some of the best, you know, we bring up Wes Craven again, like Hills have eyes, like one of the greatest like exploitation movies ever. Um, you know, and even like, I don't love, last house on the left but like even that movie is like very like is has its societal commentary about the vietnam war and and um you know how we were how you would see like watch sitcoms in between horrible footage of of people being maimed and murdered uh, during the vietnam war on the news and sort of like that's what he was playing with but the movie was it sort of like revenge movie new narrative first and i think that's the approach that he takes with this movie yeah absolutely and i think you fittingly hit the nail on the head there as far as like, like I think you said it perfectly. It's like, it's not the primary focus. Like, you know, obviously like I think these thoughts are lingering in his head. Like he's thinking about them like intuitively, maybe more so than like uh, deliberately, but like they're, they're things that 
add to the film, but they're not like in men where it's like, hey, Adam and Eve, get it, get it, get yeah. it. Like, <laughs> we're going to pause the movie for two minutes to make sure you get it. Uh, you know, like, yeah, it's just like stuff like that where, you know, I, I feel like a movie like when I watch men, I'm like, all right, like I'm halfway into this. And I already feel like I know everything this movie is trying to say. Like, where are we going with this in a sense of like, what else is there to do? Like, what, why, why are we doing this for another hour? Whereas with this movie, it just like, you know, like you said, like that rushing nesting doll thing where it's just like, it keeps going. It's like, oh, we're going to talk about this and we're going to tackle this and we're going to do this. And maybe it's not tackling them with like, you know, like the fullest uh, intent. Like it, it, it's not always like digging into the meat on the bone, but it, it's at least like showing that it wants to do more and more things while not like kind of overindulging itself or like overdoing it to the point where it's like kind of losing focus. Everything plays into like the themes that clearly are played out here from the beginning. And yeah, I just, I, I think that's just something that really just demonstrates like uh, Craig's thoroughness and his uh, boldness as a filmmaker. And yeah, just, yeah it was going along like there was there's some moments like you mentioned like midway through where i was kind of getting a little worried or i was starting to squirm like maybe this is going to kind of start to fall apart and all this stuff but i don't i think by the third act it really just kind of bloomed into exactly a sort of movie that i was hoping this would be and yeah by certainly by that last scene i found myself really satisfied with the direction it went and the directions it went i should say me too no i 100 percent um and i know i already mentioned it sort of um in tan you know tangentially about its detroit setting but i think um and i, I like this movie even better than the the one i'm going to say but i think like and i know malignant was the a comparison to people because like oh my god it takes bonkers twists but malignant is kind of bonkers from the word go and i feel like the comparison is almost a little bit like kind of does a disservice to both movies but i think don't breathe was really the movie that this reminded me of most of like it's sort of here's this initially starts as this one movie on the surface like you know this one being a sort of like chamber piece and actually really don't breathe as well that one's just more home invasion um and then that one also in a basement peels back horrible layers about a horrible horrible man who's done despicable things to women and um i feel like that movie is probably a greater comparison piece except this movie is much more there's much more layers to this movie and it's also much more sort of humorous versus don't breathe as much as I liked it is, is definitely uh, not a humorous movie. <laughs> I don't think there's a funny bone in that movie's body. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, the only thing I'll add to that is just that uh, and it wasn't a movie I initially thought of, but when he pointed out this comparison made a lot of sense to me, I guess uh, audition Takashi McKay's uh, film was Ooh, a big yeah. inspiration for this film. And it was one of those things like it wasn't in my mind when I was watching the film, but afterwards when he mentioned, it, I was like, actually that makes a good bit of sense. Like I can see why that was like a point of comparison. And obviously like we, we kind of alluded to like evil did too. He said it was a big comparison. Obviously I think Sam Raimi's sort of the master of, you know, combining the, the, the laugh and the, the scare and doing it in conjunction with one another. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's, I don't want to like say he's on that level yet, but I think he's taking the right lessons from these filmmakers. And that's always what excites me is like when a filmmaker can incorporate these styles from different filmmakers and not just make them a pache, but rather just use them in the service of the stories that he, they want to tell uh, and, and make something that, you know, only someone like Zach Kreger can kind of come up with something like this weird and this unique and this defiance of uh, genre tropes, but also, you know, making a traditionally satisfying, you know, horror comedy that you can watch with the crowd and kind of revel in everyone kind of, you know, losing their mind at in any individual moments. Uh, yeah. 
all bottled up into something just uh, perversely <laughs> uh, satisfying. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the full extent of what I have to say. I mean, is there any kind of major thoughts you wanted to say just as a final sort of wrap up for the film? I don't think any major thoughts other than I'm just I'm very excited to see what he does next. You know, I mean, this was definitely uh, um, I think like a lot of these horror movies, it was made kind of on the cheap. I think it was a five million dollar yeah. budget, mm-hmm. um, which is the same budget Get Out was made on. And so I'm really impressed what he's able to do. And I, I really hope really excited to see what's next. Hopefully, you know, someone gives him a little bit more more cash to, to do something. But he's he's seemingly very resourceful and and um yeah, I think I think it's a it's a really impressive. Well, I guess like we said, not debut film, but a, a, a sort of I guess a re I not a debut, but a, a re-entry or a re re uh, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but I mean I know Miss March was like thirteen years ago, mm-hmm. so it's that yeah. it's vastly different. So a reawakening um, of some sort, a creative reawakening. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, um, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So look forward to what's coming next from Absolutely. him uh, for sure. And I'm just happy it played theaters. Like you said, I, I'm i hoping we see – hope hoping this is a trend we see more of. You know, you pointed out that a lot of 20th Century and Searchlight movies are going directly to Hulu. This one got a theatrical release. I think of the, the day we're recording this, just found out that that Paramount movie Smile that comes out mm-hmm. at the end of September – was also meant to be a Paramount Plus yeah. streaming movie, but the mm-hmm. test screenings were so good and so high that they're like, oh, we'll put it in theaters. So I'm hoping I'm hoping this is a a, a, a more upward trend for sure. Yeah, I, I saw that news and I was really surprised about that one only because I keep seeing the trailers for that and I'm like, this just looks so goofy, like goofy in a bad way. I love goofy movies, yeah. but like this one's like, there's no way they can make this work for like 90 minutes. But I'm hoping based on that response, you know, that they uh, they they make something that that is maybe not on this level, but at least something that that, that is worthy of the theatrical experience. Are you looking forward to Smile? Uh, I wasn't until I heard that information. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat because I saw that little brief teaser, I think, in front of Crimes of the Future. And uh, it reminded me of that terrible uh, Bloomhouse movie, Truth or Dare, that came out a couple years oh, ago okay. where they get that stupid smile. Um, and so I was like, oh, I don't know about this. But yeah, yeah. hearing that the, the test screenings were very high made me go, oh, well, maybe there's more than, um, you know, again, I'm not expecting barbarian mm-hmm. uh, level, but maybe there's just more than what's uh, what they're pitching here. So I'm, I'm I sure I'm hope so. It. Yeah, I sure hope so. Because, yeah, I, I remember I, I talked my friend I went to see Barbarian with. I turned to him because we had seen this trailer like a million times at this point. I was just like, do you think there's just like any chance at all that this movie is going to be any good? And he's like, oh, absolutely not. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's how I'm feeling right now. But, you know, I, I'm obviously, you know, similar Barbarian, you know, even though I had some expectations, I'm, I'm really hoping for another horror surprise. I'm always welcoming it. And uh Maybe that's not an opening weekend movie for me, but if the reviews are good, I'll I'll definitely uh, be encouraged to seek it out. So let's put it this way: as far yeah. as Paramount or destined for Paramount Plus release movies are concerned, I thought there was no way Orphan First Kill was going to be good, and I actually quite enjoyed it. So I'm hearing um, that that's good. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet either, but um, I think I might add that to my October lineup just based on these early reviews i'm very excited i mean it's that guy that uh made the devil inside that directed that so i I, oh believe me i'm shocked i'm just as shocked as you that i liked (laughs) the movie um yeah i I will that's another one i'll say just just go in cold but uh yeah i i was uh yeah and he did like the boy movies as well i think so like i i was like there's no way 
this will be even, you know, work at all. And, and yet I, I found myself mostly entertained by it. So, yeah. um, make of right. that what you will. Well, I mean, with that, maybe hopefully this, uh, second half of 2022 is going to have, uh, an abundance of riches in the, the horror genre. But at the very least we have barbarian. And as you mentioned, uh, orphan first kill and hopefully smile to look forward to at least maybe Halloween, we got ends. Halloween ends. Yeah. yeah. Will evil die tonight. We'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll finally know. see. Ugh. I don't know. We'll see. Yes, indeed. Let's play around tomatoes game. Uh, so we have 105 reviews at the moment, more than I anticipated, but also, like you said, this is the, like, one major wide release of the film, or wide release the weekend, I mean. Uh, you said you already have a, a rough idea, I think, of what the score is, but I want to hear from you. What's your guess for what Barbarian has on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment? It strikes me as a, I'm going to say 89. 89? You're very close. It is 92%. Whoa, okay, Which, not too far off. Yeah, I mean, well, look at it this way. I mean, Miss March has a 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, <laughs> so together, Kreger's, he's almost yeah. got 100%. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> You combine the two scores. But, I mean, I can't think of many other directors that have gone from, like, a like single-digit first film to a nearly 100% second film. Like, that's just uh, an undeniable feat. Yeah, no, no, kudos. He's all the praise is was warranted. I mean, I think that's 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 fair to say. I think all the praise is certainly warranted for this movie. Um, and I hope it sticks around. You know, I hope people people go check it out for sure because it's yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, and see it. Try and see it like you know, and I know you know people have opinions on when to go and you know how comfortable or uncomfortable they are with a crowd of people but like try to go to like a friday or saturday night showing in this movie i think where, where it would potentially have the most people i think like this movie warrants being in a crowd with and and sitting along with their reactions to what exactly is happening in the movie i think is 100 percent worth it i'd agree yeah the only thing i'm gonna say about that is just that i am very curious to see how this movie holds up on a second viewing. I'm very curious to know if it's better or worse just because it is very based on the surprises of it. I don't know if I think it's going to be better or at least as good just because I think it's going to add to the commentary and, and make me feel like it's a more enriching experience. Like I'm very curious to watch like the first 20 minutes again, knowing what we know about the characters and like how that uh, paints my perception of what's happening. But um, yeah, let's talk about the audience score. Do you have uh, any idea what that might be for this film? Uh, is that the uh, like cinema score or is this on Rotten Tomatoes? No. If you want to guess cinema score first, by all means, I have that pulled up as well. Okay. Well, I I know what the cinema score is. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's okay. C plus, I believe. Um, Which but is lower than I just I thought this would be like a B or a B plus. That's what I thought, too. But then again, I don't know. Horror is so weird, too. Like, you know, where people like. It's weird because like people are really because cinema score right is really just how well did you market the movie to your target audience is is mostly its biggest indication, and I'm like, mm-hmm. there's a part of me where I'm like, you know, I don't know what I don't know what people wanted like the the trailer gave like nothing away from the movie <laughs> like so I don't know maybe people just thought it was going to be a chamber piece in the house and maybe when it flips the Justin Long stuff they were like wait what the hell movie am I watching so I don't know but I I would have definitely thought yeah. at least a B for sure. Right. Or at least a B minus. I mean, I just I mean, yeah, I'd have to assume it, it is somewhat related to, like you said, like, I think 
they they felt like they were sold maybe a false bill of goods because like they disposed of Bill Sarsgaard's character so early and it becomes like this weird thing with this mutated incest daughter and yeah like there's this like yeah you know like the stuff about uh, this weird guy from Detroit and this canceled actor and like, I I could see roughly like if I if I had to logically figure it out like I'm assuming that's the reason but then again applying logic to cinema score is a, is a fool's errand so. True. That's that's all I'll um, say about that this week. And then audience score for, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, if I had to guess, I'm going to say yep. 72. 72. Oh, wow. That's you are guess. quite good this game. I was going to say you're quite Is good it, this game because you're very, very close. It's 73%. Oh, my goodness. I didn't realize it would be that close. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I don't like I. there's no math to it. It's more just cinema like C plus would be like what 50 would translate to a 58 rotten tomatoes users are a little bit more savvy i guess for lack of a better term than probably like just your general friday night polling so i i don't know it's in that c grade i guess seemed like uh or i guess 73 would be a i don't know either way uh it just seemed right mm-hmm. <laughs> it seemed right <laughs> that's all i'll say yeah well absolutely and uh just to wrap it up did you want to guess the letterbox average rating score uh, I'm sure. Might as well. Uh, I'm gonna say three point two six. Oof! I you were on a good streak, but you got a little too low with this one. It's actually three point nine at the moment, which is I guess I should have known. Yeah, I guess I should have known though, because even more savvier than our Rotten Tomatoes users would probably be Letterboxed uh, users. So that that makes sense. Yeah. Done goofed, but, but that's okay. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would have probably guessed around this. Like, I would have guessed probably like 3.4 or 3.5. Definitely 3.9 is higher than I anticipate, but in a good way. I mean, I have been seeing a lot of like four out of five on my letterbox as far as like, uh, you know, people I follow, like their scores, um, yeah, a couple 4.5s. I haven't seen any, too many people below three out of five, which is a good sign. Um, but I, I don't know if that's the same for your timeline on letterbox at the moment. It's pretty similar. I, I haven't seen really any lower, and I've even seen people who are you know not as the biggest horror fans of the world be like, "Oh wow, I really liked that." So um, that's that says something for sure. Absolutely, and yeah, and that's our mini bonus episode review. Not so many, I guess, it's almost an hour long discussion, but I think certainly well warranted for what I think is a quite delightful surprise, and I, I hope this trend continues. Uh, for September, like this week, the second weekend of September, just put out the weirdest, goofy horror movie you want, but put it in theaters. I'd say, whatever studio Agreed. you may be, yeah, do it. Yeah, uh, Ryan, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, sorry to be Ryan. Thank you go, so much. No, no, you're good. Yeah, uh, I was just about to say, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me again. Uh, it's been a great pleasure to have you back on the show. Um, I hope to have you on. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm always happy to talk horror movies, but I'd love to actually talk about like something non-horror related too, because I know I don't want to put you like in a box as far as like genres are concerned. But you know, certainly we'll have you on the show again, and I look forward to that that time to come. Oh, I appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. It's always an honor coming on coming on Cinemaholics, and and uh, yeah, thank you for having me. And yeah, maybe yeah, maybe we will do a different horror movie. Maybe we'll do like a rom com. We'll do like a total 180 or something. Yeah. If there's something just totally different that comes to mind, just reach out and we'll find a way to get you on as a guest. Something that completely subverts 
listener expectations. I'm, I'm definitely for that. It'd be very fitting for the films that we've just been talking about. So I, I would like to honor that trend in the future. Yeah, I'm all for subverting expectations. Yeah. All right. Well, from the Internet, Pennsylvania, I'm Washington. And from Seattle, Washington, I'm Ryan Oliver. All right. Goodbye, everybody.